Thanks for joining us on Founders and Friends podcast by Cruise Consulting. Before we get to a great podcast with Evan, here's a quick shout out to Brex, our credit card of choice for startups. It's easy to use, easy to provision, easy to integrate into QuickBooks. They have great rewards. And there's no personal guarantee by the founder, which is humongous. Check out Brex, B-R-E-X.com. Type in Cruise, K-R-U-Z-E, when you go through the sign-up flow, and you'll get a discount. Thanks. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Evan Maurer of Logical. Did I say it right? The Logical, yes. Maurer, not quite, but you're getting there. I you think still Bill have Maher. Maher. You still have Joe Maurer, the baseball player. Maher. Bill Maurer. Bill Maurer, you got it. Evan Marr. Yeah, there you go. He spells his name weird for how you say it. That's I can't right. help it. I, by the way, this is our third annual podcast. That's right. Welcome. You were just actually going crazy, and then I was like, hey, I got to turn the mic on and record you. <laughs> yeah. he's, a very, he's a very enthusiastic guest, folks. It's true. Well, I, what I was going to do is say, like, how about that? The first, the debut of the new Founders and Friends jingle, which is actually technically a lie because we haven't recorded it yet, but I know oh, it, it I takes say, like six to eight weeks for you to get this, so we're going to record it. I haven't heard the, so you, have you, have you, so I've for background, it. last year when we recorded this podcast, Evan said that he was going to do a new jingle for me and I'm supposed to pay him in tequila and Jack Daniels that's or something right. like that, yeah. which I'm happy to do. Okay, booze. That's, that's like, um, you know, paying kind in the finance world. Exactly. Instead of stock, you're getting booze. Yeah. Uh, but where, what's the update on the jingle? I've written it. Okay. And uh, I don't want to I don't want to uh, tease it now, but hopefully by the time this goes live on your website, okay. we'll have it recorded, and you'll have uh, a new fancy uh, uh, cruise consultant. That's very exciting, Jane. Vanessa. I've told Vanessa about it. She's like, let's hear this thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when do you, when do you think you'll record? Uh, probably next six weeks. Okay. Oh, yeah. six weeks. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be ready. It should okay. be ready. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'll hold this podcast for a little while. All right. Well, I want. We're going to talk about some good stuff. So I want to get out there. Okay. All right. You are what? Tell, give me a little your background. Yeah, uh, let's see. I'm the VP of Finance at Logical. Uh, Logical is about a, about 100 people. Um, we do uh, e-discovery software. We've talked about it on the podcast before. We uh, basically, whenever you want to, uh, if you're in a lawsuit, you you know people have to like part of the legal system in America and a lot of other legal systems is called discovery, and that's just like basically establishing the facts of the case. And in order to do that, you need to have like effectively a meeting of the minds and an exchange of documents because it's not fair. Uh, for one side to have all the documents and the other side to have none. So you basically file a request and you say like, all right, I want, uh, you know, I'm suing Cruise Consulting and I'm like, well, I want every, every email, every document, every internal communication related to the lease at, you know, 333 Curie Street, yep. whatever. And, and then basically... That's usually where you find the good stuff. That's you find the, you find the smoking gun email or whatever it is. Yeah, right? absolutely. So... Um, so yeah, so basically... Has Colin Kaepernick hired you? No, no but uh, do you remember Scott Pruitt? Uh, vaguely. Just, um, you know, flamboyantly corrupt head of the EPA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he got, he got 86th, and uh, we, didn't, we didn't do anything, but, uh, but um, one of our customers, Sierra Club, uh, used uh, logical software no. um, to sift through millions and millions of emails and then just expose, you know, through, like... It was actually through a Freedom of Information Act request, yeah. which people also use our software for. Yeah. In this case, um, you know, Sierra Club to to expose his like various misdeeds. Oh my God, that's and amazing! Tens of millions of emails. Yeah, and uh, so yeah. So keyword this, keyword that. Exactly. Fuzzy logic. Yeah. Like, proximity searches. That's awesome. I mean, I kind of always joke with our CEO, who like is a uh, really, I mean, he's an inspiring leader. He's he's the best CEO I've ever worked with, but he's like a product guy, right? That's what that's what gets his motor running, right? And I'm like. Uh, like, I'm just not a product guy. I never will be. I, I stay in my lane. You know, like, what I get excited about is, like, 
high return on invested capital, <laughs> defensive business model. Running you know, things efficiently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Profitability. Yeah. Cash flow statements that flow cash, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, but basically, he, I always joke, like, man, yeah, there's so much complexity. Like, he discovers an incredibly technical product, which makes it a challenge, you know, to, you need, as all these downstream effects, like, well, you need to hire salespeople who are fairly technical, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even have legal backgrounds. But basically, it does three things. <laughs> My CEO just makes one of me. He's like, look, it's like, Evan, dude, the software does three things. You upload, you search, and you download. Like, that's it. And it's, and it's like, all right, even I can understand that. So well, Hopefully he's not doing the sales, too. Hopefully. Yeah, no, he's actually a great sales. He's a really he probably sales. is, yeah. That's actually one of the challenges that companies, I think, all over SaaS are, is the non-founder selling. I, you know? That's actually something we should talk about. Cause Let's do it. Vanessa is, I always kind of say at parties that were successful because not only is Vanessa a brilliant accountant, but she's actually really good at sales. And I'm pretty good at sales too. Yeah. And so that's actually, we're good at articulating our value prop is yeah. really what it comes down to. Yeah. But like, how do you do that transition? How do it like, is he, does he fly in for the big ones and then you have a, a team or how, how does it work? Yeah, on, on big ones. Um, and I don't think this has been publicly announced yet, so I won't announce the name of the company, but uh, one of the, like, I'll just say top 10 largest companies in the world, uh, just hired large. Wow. Yeah, a big one, like a, a company we all know. And, um, and you know, that's that's not like, you don't pitch that to your third year AE. Yeah, You're like, yeah, hey, yeah, go yeah. close, yeah. you know, <laughs> the biggest company in the world or whatever. You know, the CEO's still gonna be involved. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. you know what? Like Larry Ellison still gets involved in some big sales calls and that's fine. Yeah. But in order to scale, like, like Andy's the best CEO I've worked with. And this is sounding like I'm kissing up, but I think I'm just in a good mood because it's the holidays. And so, yeah, I mean, the point is, Andy's great, but he doesn't scale. You know, and you're great, and Vanessa's great, but you guys don't scale. Yeah, I know. So I know. there's this uh, there's this guy who did this, uh, he's a VP of sales, hold on, or head of sales, CRO type. Um, give me one second. He, he does a really... Do you write like a blueprint or the book on it kind of yeah, thing? Yeah. Like, I'd like to read that book. That would be really good. Uh, I, I think I have this right. Hold on. Yeah, Peter Kazanji. Peter. Yeah, that's him. He, we we like went to uh, as a leadership team actually went to this like zero to one hundred kind of scaling conference. Like how do you scale? How do you scale? And he just has some really. I'm, I'm, he does. He knows Andy. He wouldn't recognize me from all in the wall, but uh, <laughs> but he would like. But he's just got some. I'm just buzz marketing here. We all does he have marketing. a Does he have a book? Uh, yeah, and I just got. I'll find check it out. I'll yeah. check it out. We'll put it in the meeting notes. Sounds good. It's K-A-Z-A-N-J-Y, and he's just like super bright, and he's a founder. That's probably something, that's a big one for us next year, because we're, the amount of volume we're getting on inbounds is, it makes your head explode. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's great. But we need to, um, we need to figure that out, because it's driving both of us crazy. Yeah, basically. he has this chart of like, where are you in the sales process? Uh-huh. And it's like, the first, like, it's, there's like nine or 12 steps or something. It's like, okay, has someone paid you money? Like, obviously, you guys have passed that. Yeah. But then like, it's like, Getting and I'm getting these orders wrong because I'm not a sales guy. I'm a finance guy, but um, but you know I, I nerd out on this kind of stuff. Like, how do you make a company yeah. grow? And uh, and it's like, you know, do you have unit economics that makes sense? Like, are you paying two dollars to get a dollar revenue, or are you paying like fifty cents to get a dollar revenue? And then it's like, do you have a repeatable sales process that allows you? Like, nobody's a commodity in this world. Salespeople aren't commodities, but you need, you know, like. Like if every McDonald's in the world tried to use their own recipe for a Big Mac, that company yeah, yeah, wouldn't yeah, be yeah, as yeah. big as it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So you gotta like give give your guys and gals a repeatable playbook that works. And We're very good at that on yeah. our internal service offering, like the monthly accounting, the taxes, everything is super repeatable. That's right. my brilliant wife who knows how to do that. But yeah. sales is kind of like a 
we're kind of doing it because we're it's like the best you're a good athlete so you can shoot a basketball and hit a baseball we're, we're kind of doing it that way yeah right now yeah it makes sense so hire yeah okay so i'm gonna check out that book That's yeah check idea. it out i um I, he's, he's pretty smart and a lot of the stuff is i think posted online you can read through it but highly recommend and so you guys have had it sounds like you had a pretty good year we did, um, you know, we basically doubled. And, That's awesome. You know, you gotta, you know, see if you can do something like that next year and just keep growing. Um, it's it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride, and I, I gotta be honest, like I, we still have a ton of problems, like any startup. Like our, you you heard me talk about our Salesforce instance last year. Like those problems still aren't fixed. Like we had to effectively do a turnaround in the ops organization and bring in some new people and make some changes. Um, that really was. I mean, just painful for the entire finance team because Salesforce is what we use for like paying our people, tracking revenue to report to the board, and billing our customers. Like those are the only stakeholders that matter. Yeah, like your yeah, and it was messed your, up. Your shareholders. Well, let me make you customers. feel better. We've been paying for Salesforce for a year and still can't quite get it working correctly. It's mostly user error on our part. So, so you're not you're not alone, my friend. I, I'm actually I keep joking, and I think I think in just January. We're finally gonna cut over from zero, which is a terrible. Uh, sorry, I should. That's right. I forgot that you were even using zero. Yeah, I was right. embarrassed when you told me you're using zero. Oh my god! Well, I'm embarrassed, and I've been paying for NetSuite for 16 months. I'd love to use it someday. It looks delightful, <laughs> but we just because this data implementation piping in from yeah. Salesforce is so garbage. Yeah, and I gotta pipe it through this connector called Soligo, and they seem pretty good, but like. I don't know. It's have you started the Net, NetSuite implementation? We started it, but okay. then we had to clean up the sales. So anyway, yeah, I'd love to use NetSuite. It really looks like great software. I've you're been using, for more than a year. You're using, um, let's just say, if you ever decide to leave Logical and you're in a job interview, leave out the zero. Oh, yeah, yes. no, no, no. I mean... You were, they, were, they were on it before you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't yeah. win an RFP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. That was not your decision. Let's, no. let's let the record show. Absolutely. And actually... God bless Zero. I own stock in the company. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. It's a good... It's a good so, this is going to make you cringe. It's good software for five people companies. That's what no, I was going to say. If you're yeah. going to hair salon, like, yeah. it's great. You don't yeah. need... you know, But our, yeah. our business is way more complex. Yeah, yeah. So, I, don't know, I, didn't, I feel bad trashing Zero, but they're... they're it's okay. They're good, good people at Zero are nice. Yeah. And we like them. Yeah. It's just not a... I wouldn't run a company your size. It's not an enterprise solution yeah. for a company that's trying to reach 100 million yeah. in three years. Yeah. You know? So, um, so, yeah, I know how that is. So, anyway, that has all been really tough this year, and it remains tough. We, we finally brought in a director of operations, not, not wood, she'll, you know, help us solve a lot of these problems, fingers crossed. Overall, like, what is it, is it, uh, is it Fiddler on the Roof? It was, a, it was a very good year. Uh, you know, it was a very good year, and uh, the biggest part of that is honestly my team is, uh, you know, it's the best team I've ever, ever, uh, ever had. That's awesome. And they're just great. So, I can see how, like, you say that you're very relaxed and you're happy, oh, and I can see your body language is so true, yeah, too. That's yeah. cool. You know, so I feel the same way. We, we got, got we, we got, got a good team too. It's fun. That's yeah. awesome. And we got to do a little work with you too, which is really cool. And I, I did get a, I did get a. I always love is the one that those phone calls, uh, playing with my daughter at Picadoodle at like three o'clock in the afternoon on, when I, ba- I babysit her once a week, and you called and you're like, I need something right this minute. That's always a good. <laughs> I always feel like a good friend when I answer I was, those. I was really apologetic about it, but I will buzz market cruise consulting. Uh, this is I've been on the podcast three years, but we never worked together until yeah. this year, and uh, they've been great. And affordably priced, and they helped us out with multiple things. So, there, boom, there's your plug. I'm gonna send over a video crew and get a good one for right, No, right. thank you, thank you. No, I'll it's do. awesome. It's, I um, we have a great tax team. Vanessa and Steven are awesome, and Lorena is awesome, and yeah. it's awesome that work. Okay, I've got we got a couple topics keyed up. Let's go. Potential recession. Stock, the stock market is telling us there's gonna be a recession. Yeah. 
I think my portfolio is down like 20%. It's been pretty painful. And yep. we're, we're looking, it's been, it's a lot of personal information, but we were looking to buy a house. So is that, it's kind of good that the market's going down. Cause I think the amount of like stuff in San Francisco is trading below ask quite a bit now, yep. which is awesome. But my, our portfolio has been hurt too. So like, how do you think about a recession? How do you think about it and kind of just how you do business and then for logical itself? Like yeah. what's, is it good, bad? Are you excited, not excited? Yeah, so many, so many, uh, so there's a lot of different sides to that cube. I think technically there'd be six. Um, so I, I would say, I think of a lot of different ways. Um, you know, ironically, uh, the first time I was on this podcast was when, I, was when I was with SigFig and I was a robo-advisor. And you know, we talked about modern portfolio theory and how like markets are efficient and you can't like, you can't like time the market. Um, you try to time the market, you could either like catch a falling knife yeah. or you could like miss a bunch of gains. Um, so I don't advise trying to time the market, that's it. I've been a big macroeconomic bear for basically two years, just because I've, I've been around Silicon Valley long enough, yeah. I've seen this movie. Yeah. And I can, I, the canary in the coal mine, there's, there's a bunch of them, but like, you know, the occupancy rate on commercial, you know, uh, real estate, but there's all sorts of indicators. And I've seen, you know, into I graduated in 2001 when and it was just like a radioactive creative job market. And then I graduated my JD MBA in 2009, <laughs> radioactive creative job market. So I like, I think about maybe going and like, you know, if I want to stay in this finance game and be a CFO, maybe I'll do a master's of accountancy. But like, if I do that, like buckle up, cause that's going to be every time I graduate with a degree, yeah, don't, the recession don't do gets deeper. Just buy puts. I mean, I live, I got, are you, were you 2009? I think you're 2007. 2009. Okay. Yeah. So I did, I graduated in 99. My timing's slightly better than yours. Cause oh, 99, yeah. I got some boom Yeah. and then went to business school in 05, graduated in 07. So I still yeah. got like a little bit of hot, hot market out. Yeah. Post. Oh, and so then, we overlapped for one year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it feels like the market's down quite a bit. So it feels like it's telegraphing, like, Hey, things aren't, nothing's, yeah. things aren't as good as they've been. And how, how do you as the VP of finance of a company prepare for that? And, and how does logical fit in for your customers? Like it yeah. feels like, it feels like you could actually make some hay, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot of different, uh, different angles there so number one is uh, I've been you know like I said I've seen this movie before but I've never seen it you know I've seen like sustainable runs that can't go on forever they, they, they don't that's just how things yeah. that kind of go on forever will not um, so I've seen this kind of sustainable run that can't you know last forever but I've never seen it with this many negative catalysts looming out there constitutional crisis um, all sorts of uh, you know foreign entanglements like and, and what, what seems like without getting political fairly rash decision-making with respect to global geopolitics. Um, so, yeah, I've been bearish for a while. And we've been running a deficit for a long time already. Exactly, yeah. So, and we're pissing off the, the country that buys all of our treasuries. Yes, exactly. This is, <laughs> this this China. is, this is a dangerous game. <laughs> yeah. So, now that's sad. I mean, the SIGFIG model would be like, well, that proves Evan Mar has been a bear for like three years. He missed, if you were in cash that whole time, and frankly, because we were hoping to buy a house we really were like yeah, 75% yeah, cash. Yeah. You missed out on a lot of gains. That said, from that's kind of the, for me, I've been fully vested for a while, so it's run up. So I know I've left a lot of money on the table, but you just can't time the stuff. You can't and, time. You know, yeah. What are you going to do? So, so for, but from a company perspective, there's a couple of things. You know, there's a great saying that like fortunes are built during downturns yeah. and harvested during upturns. Yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, and, and the other thing is like our software, and one of the good things about this business, and there, there are plenty of bad things too, because it's really complex and everything else, is that it's, it's mission critical, right? Like, like people need this. And certain, um, certain fields, you know, increase, 
during downturns, like bankruptcy, obviously, and some like really disappear, like securitization or whatever. But like in terms of the company, bet the company litigation, like that's still gonna happen. Yeah, Freedom maybe is, more. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of more. lot of angry people. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, and then sometimes this the superfluous litigation that kind of disappears. Yeah. But like overall, like I don't think. We're, we're not a high level of cyclicality. Yeah. Do, we don't have a high level of exposure to the business cycle. If anything, we might be counter cyclical. You're so. also like a company, I would think, that can either, that either makes people more efficient, like lawyers more efficient, or exactly. take some of the legal costs out of it. Right. Absolutely. So there's like a pretty clear ROI for what you guys do, right? Absolutely. I pressure one of our big customers talks about, you know, uh, a big law firm that will remain nameless, but, you know, Amlot 10, you know, was really salty when they used our side. She was a GC at a big Fortune 500 company. And, uh, you know, they said, okay, to go through all these documents is going to take us eight weeks. It'll be about a half a million in billables. She was like, oh, I'm just going to throw it into logical. And, and of course, you know, the guy got all like, well, I can't, you know, I can't, I'm taking on risk. And I was like, no, no, the billables walked out the door. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it's, it, it actually could be a, a good thing for the top line. The bigger thing, and we were talking about this, and by the way, like, I, are there just a digression? Are no, there people who are just logical pros who are like professional service companies that just love you guys? And because, like, I was actually as you're saying that, it, it, it's exactly like us like QuickBooks, Bill.com, Expensify, Brex, all these things have gotten so much better. Yeah. So, like, we are, we are like the masters of that stuff. And yeah. we're actually incredibly, we're so much, we're such a better deal than people who have kind of the in, giant internal team. Yeah. But as you're saying that, I'm like, there must be people who are riding the logical wave. Who are just kicking ass, like the cruise consultings of the world out there, that yeah. are riding your wave. Yeah, there are there are vendors um, that basically, and, and this is always interesting because you got to handle it right. And this is I'm just going to pre say pretext is like this means I get to use my favorite nerdy economics joke, so it's coming. Embrace yourself. Um, but there's a couple of things. Number one, like you know when people subscribe, you know, to like they can, you know, we have a, we, we do both subscription and usage-based yeah. billing, right? And it's really kind of, do you want the commitment in exchange for effectively a bulk discount? Well, that can get hairy if you have a, a vendor, a professional services vendor who just does e-discovery and they're gonna use uh, logical, you know, internally, but like if they sign up for a huge subscription and then like they undercut you- Oh, to, in like, the market. So, yeah, yeah, so channel, Strategy is important. Yeah, um, and that's, that's interesting. You guys, we don't, we make our software vendors very successful, and they make us successful. Yeah, but they don't really undercut us. There's no undercutting, yeah, right? At least right now, maybe that'll happen. Like, so we'll maybe there'll be some machine learning that's amazing or something like that. But yeah, maybe. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, so they can undercut you. I that never channel, about that. well, it's potential. It, yeah. and it's happened once or twice, and you know, you, you you just have to go in there with eyes wide open. And then the other thing about having resellers. Is uh, and here it comes. What's the uh, you've heard of double marginalization? Uh-uh. Well, basically, is this macroeconomic concept that if you have a uh, basically two up like if you have a middleman with pricing power, so like basically that the you you have, you have a monopolist at the top and then a monopolist in the like in the middle, you have this problem of double marginalization because both companies are trying to optimize their their own setting marginal costs equal to marginal revenue, right? Yeah. So to optimize profits, and what that does is creates deadweight loss where across like both quantity and volume are not optimized across so it's an argument for vertical integration but the joke is what's the only thing worse than a monopolist what two monopolists because <laughs> there's that way lost so bad that's a bad joke such a terrible pie. I love it so <laughs> anyway um, so yeah that's a that's a challenge so there are people who kind of ride yeah that so but, you guys so you guys but there is a pretty big ROI improvement and you're yeah that's yeah, pretty absolutely. awesome yeah 
So anyway, getting back to you know a downturn, um, you know the bigger thing, and I, I I'm always hesitant to say this because you, you were joking in the elevator, like you know you don't want to say this and sound like you know like the evil uh, like John Hodgman basically, yeah. you know evil billionaire or like like it sucks for <laughs> um, a recession sucks for everybody. A recession is yeah. bad, and I don't yeah. want to see recession. People get you know people's lives get affected. Yeah. They, you know, but fact is like. You could not have a more insanely hot job market in, than San Francisco in November of 2018. So the fact is that good people become available. And that's, that's again, one of the reasons that, like, again, I'm not rooting for the recession. I'm not so singularly self-interested that's like, ah, yeah. screw everybody yeah. else. Recessions are yeah. great for me. Yeah. But I just do know that people become available and, you know, you can get you know, great, great people. And that's, you know, it's part of, it's part of the consolidation phase of a recession. Like it, the, the, it, the companies that don't make it have great people working there too. They just couldn't make it. And yeah, then they exactly. join your firm and that's awesome. And yeah. they'll, hopefully it'll do the same for us. It'll make us stronger. If that happens, yeah. I think, I think it's going to be at least, at least cooling off a little bit would be good. Yeah. Like I just, you know, it's been pretty hot. Just rationalization. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of my take. So. Nice. And um, are there any, like, does that, does that, do you have new products because of a recession or do you just emphasize different things or do you, is it just like, cause you, I guess you have this channel out there. Is there any new approaches or are you just, you're just like, Hey, we're not cyclical. This is going to be great for us. You know, that's actually interesting. I think in one of our customer segments, there may be, you know, which is to say like the government side of this is probably not affected, you know, the uh, nonprofit probably not that affected um, that much. In the small and middle market of like small law firms, that's where, and actually that's not true, probably even in the enterprise side of like yeah. big Fortune 500 corporations, you know, it's during downturns when they have more pressure on legal spend. And yeah. That's a little bit of a tailwind. Yeah, that's because what, we're making people more efficient. Yeah. So, so in that market, less so in probably government nonprofit, yes. Um, I, I think they, there, there will be a little bit of a tailwind. Shift your marketing. Yeah, a little bit. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's I mean, exciting. That's, that's up to Robbie. He's our head of marketing. So uh, he, yeah, you're not the. He's, yeah. got, the, he's got that online. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. So, uh, okay, second topic: growing up as a company. I thought that was this is great because this is some weird. Before we turned on the mics, we we're talking about like comp structures and incentive structures, and and we both are living it, and we were living it this time last year too. How do how do you think about your comp? Like, what are the things that go in growing up as a company? We live in a world of constraints, right? So there's all these things that when you're a startup and you're just trying to make it, you're trying to think from day one, you're just trying to survive. Not you're not ready to thrive, right? And um, now, fortunately, the company was already had been around for a while when I joined, but still had that very scrappy. Um, like we're gonna, we're not gonna be penny wise and pound foolish, but like I negotiate literally every contract, and you know I just kind of enjoy it. But um, <laughs> but like that's you know so it. What's interesting to me is the tension of you're growing up as a company, and you now. I mean, we closed a big round in January, so that was great, and NEA came on board and, and they're great to work with. Now you have resources where corners that you cut previously, and I'm not talking ethical corners, I'm just saying like, you know, yeah. we're not gonna pay for this because yeah. you know, money's scarce. Yeah. There's some corners where you have to, you, you, you need to stop cutting. And you say like, all right, we're selling to, the, to one of the largest companies in the world. We can afford to do X. Or yeah. They're gonna. It'll be table stakes to do what. Or it's like a, a negative signal if we don't do something. If, exactly, like SOC 2. Like SOC 2 is expensive. And we did it, and and that was a huge unlock yeah. for uh, for a lot of enterprise companies that now who previously were not going to be comfortable buying logical, but but now are. Yeah. So that's an example. Um, so that what's interesting to me is the tension between that of like, okay, like the rules have changed slightly, 
but you also need to preserve that scrappiness. And so it's like, how do you, and that's a cultural thing. Yeah. So like I, I probably told this story, I don't think I told it on this podcast, but like, you know, if, if you look at total cost of an employee in San Francisco, fully loaded with their laptop and all the tools they use, it's almost $200 an hour. Like that's how much it costs to employ these people. And you know, they're worth it, right? I'm not just complaining people are expensive, but like, when we moved into our old office, we, we've since moved, but it was just great. You've seen a penthouse up on, uh, on Post Street right by Union Square. It was great, right? And the company who had moved out had this water subscription. Did I tell you the story? No, 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 no. So I tell this one with pride because um, it's not about the money sometimes. It's about the culture. And it's uh, so there was this like um, – they had this water subscription, and it was, it was like $55 a month for like fresh water. And I told, and in front of everybody, I told the office manager, I was like, do you want to do it? Do you want to keep it? And we like, find out, do people want fresh water? Yeah, it sounds like they do. And I was like, okay, tell them we'll do it for $50 a month, no more. And five look, yeah. look, just the amount of time it took to have that conversation yeah. was not worth saving $5 yeah. a month. But the bigger thing is people hear that story yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like, wow. Like they, you know, so I'm not like trying to break my. You make a good point though about like all the stuff. Like people, I also think all of our jobs are getting more software enabled, but that requires like all these software subscriptions. We we spend an enormous amount of money on software every year, and it's like the Zoom, the Slack, the Google, you know, all these things. It just really adds up. It's crazy. Actually, that's actually another related thing. We we finally hit this tipping point with uh, with one vendor that you've heard of they're building a very large tower uh in san francisco <laughs> but like we kind of find like, another thing about growing up is like you know when you're you know, when you're like a two million three million dollar year company right you're just like man i i just got to get the tools i need to employ you know but like after you get to a certain scale and maybe we're there I, I i would argue we are um you really like we're at a point where they have so much they're so deeply entwined like like yeah, wrapped in our tech stack, like that you can't like, get them out. Yeah. That you can't get them out, but as a result, like they know that. In order, they know that. I and mean, look, we all work in SaaS. We know the name of the game. It's like I'm going to make yeah. my product as sticky as possible yep. by making the switching cost so high. But as a result, like I can't really buy anything from them anymore. You know, I, just, I can't because they have me over a barrel. They kind of. Jam. I've heard this story about them quite a bit. And like you know, that's going to happen. And so, but what's interesting is like you know. The, someone another business leader in marketing or sales or ops or whatever would be like well i want to use their tool and i was like guys i need you to like think more long term because like this is the kind of thing that we would put as a risk factor in an s1 if we yeah. were ever yeah. lucky enough to go public so like you just you start you need to start having more strategic long-term thinking instead of like but i want to use this tool we have the very cheap subscription with them we have the get get addicted to the crack yeah exactly subscription. Yeah. you guys have the paying for the crack yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so we've got a very expensive habit there. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, like you need to, so you to just think long term. Like long term, maybe think about your employee expenses. If you got are you guys doing anything remote? Like what's your Yeah. Our our engineering team's hundred percent remote. Mm. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit. So so what's the what are the pros and cons on that? Just because you guys have a pretty big engineering team, it is, right? Yeah, yeah. It tripled in twenty eighteen wow. and it's hopefully gonna double again. Uh, yeah, so we're really investing. That's what the whole point of the round was to really re- reinvest in the product and, and you know do some really cool stuff. So um, yeah, I, I, honestly, it is the vast majority. There's certain certain roles that doesn't make sense, right? But on the engineering side, we've got engineers in like towns you've never heard of in Canada, and they're great. Yeah. You know, it is less expensive, you know, than paying someone in San Francisco because it's really expensive to live here, um, and it gets you access to just this whole universe of people 
that like will never like you'd never be able to. I don't yeah, know. and they're excited about working. Oh at your yeah, are you kidding me? I get to work at a cool San Francisco Starbucks. Yeah. We fly them out once a yeah. quarter. Yeah, it, you know if they they don't have to because if you got kids, you don't yeah. be traveling all the time. But like, it, it's great. There's one downside and one. Line. I would say it, with us, it has been a uniformly uh, positive experience. With the one downside of like, it just puts a higher premium on not having a uh, was it a type one error? It was like a false positive. You know, like if you, if you make a bad hire, it's harder to figure it's, it out. It's harder to find it, and you, you need to. It's harder to monitor them because they're not yeah. like there every day. Yeah. And um, especially for certain roles, where like, you know, if, if you're a remote salesperson, like it's all there in black and white. You're selling or you're not. Okay? Ours says in black and white too because of the billing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But like, what about an info security engineer? Like, well, did we have an incident or not? I mean, it's like yeah. you know. So it just means, and by the way, we still hire people to do that role remotely, but like, it just, it, it, it puts pressure on your recruiting team to really yeah, get, yeah, yeah. you know, because if you make a bad hire. It's so hard too, because I, I think recruiting is, I'm kind of, it's almost, it's like if you can shoot 75%, you're doing pretty damn good. I would right? say so. Like yeah. you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And also, I also find sometimes people tell themselves a story where they're, when they're interviewing and then once they have the job that story they're not allowed to tell themselves that story anymore because yeah. they're living in reality we had something like that recently where we hired someone and it, it didn't work out almost from day one even though the person was like perfectly qualified and very passionate it's just like they it was they, they needed a different narrative in their life you yeah. know? and so that happens if that happens once out of every four times you're probably doing a pretty good job one out of four is like yeah I wouldn't want it to be any higher than that yeah. but yeah um, you know we've been 100% uh, on the finance team, and I'm not again. I'm not That's trying awesome. to pat myself on back. It's a small team. Yeah, it's growing a lot actually right now. So I know that we're going to have to be disciplined. I already have an FP&A guy, uh, Mr. Andrew Dopp. Very excited. He's, he was our he was our summer intern, and he's still working with us as a consultant. Yeah. He's in he's in like the Bahamas right now or something. But anyway, so I'm just buzz marketing Andrew Dopp. Um, he's he's joining in May, and then we're also hiring uh, on the kind of. Uh, staff accountant side, a compensation specialist. The team's growing a lot, and I just like I don't want to do seventy five percent. Like I really want to get a hundred. No one does. But um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So I, what trade offs are you willing to pay up more salary to buy? Is like buying insurance, or is it more about the interview process, or how do you? Because we hire a lot of people, so I have my own theories. But like, how do you hit a higher percentage than that? Yeah, I think. Um, well, I think a couple things. I, like I'm a I'm a numbers guy, so if you remember from your stats class, you're either, you know, you can optimize for reducing type one errors, which are false positives. I think I have that right. Or type two errors, which is like false negatives. You know, like not hiring someone that would have met the bar. Yeah. And, and in my experience, at Siegfried, we moved so, we really moved slowly in an attempt to avoid false positives, um, but. As a result, like I think the, the cost of having the role not be filled added up. Yeah. And by the way, our hit rate was still like across the company. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was okay. You know, this, whereas this won't uh, uh, this won't make sense for your like internal group hiring, but it probably makes sense for your engineering hires. We've we've now flipped from having like always kind of being tight, like fully utilized to now being at least one kind of person ramping that's not utilized yeah. at all times. Because that it's it's a, it's a tiny buffer. It's it's actually kind of expensive for a consulting firm to do that. Yeah. But it's worth it in the stress. I, I agree. And the yeah. disruption when someone does leave and like, our our we, we ne this is like a policy even us and I have been doing now and it's like, 
it makes things a hell of a lot easier when you've already got someone trained that you can just like plug in and there's no missing a beat. It's really nice. Yeah, I mean, our CEO, Andy, says like, we gotta be disciplined. And again, that's my job is to instill discipline, yeah. financial discipline across company. Yeah. That literally, that is the buck stops on my desk. Yeah. So, you know, when someone comes in and says, I need to hire three people, I'm like, all right, make your case. Yeah. Because Andy always says like, okay, hire when it hurts, yeah. not before. But you can take that to a pathological extreme that's yeah. self-destructive where it's yeah. like, only hire when it's excruciating. Like, no, 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 then your people are going to yeah, leave. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You know, yeah. so, so it's a balancing act. Yeah. I think it's definitely like, for me, um, one thing I've adopted, Jackson Hollihan is a guy who came over actually from Sig Fig to Logical, uh, like a year and a day after, <laughs> after, after I left Sig uh, uh, um, He's a he's, uh, great, uh, good friend of mine. We do the A's lives all together. We play hockey together. Um, and actually won the, uh, the, the championship this past season. Mm. Just want to throw that out there. He, I, he brought this with him, like, I'm not, not necessarily a huge fan of some of the things Goldman Sachs does, but he said one thing, he, he worked at Goldman Sachs when we hired him at Sigfig, and he was like, yeah, the, I really like this policy of like, even the most junior analyst, it's a unanimous hiring process, you need to talk to like seven or nine or yeah, 11 yeah, people, yeah, yeah. and even the most junior person has a veto. We do that too. That's what we do now. We have, we have a, uh, there has been times where someone who maybe has less experience interviewing, might have some, and then I'll sit down and talk to them and try to figure out if it's a real issue or not. Yeah, but well, but then that can actually be really constructive because they get the they understand coming forward. But yeah, you don't want to hire people that there's a lot of misgivings coming in, no matter how good you think they're going to be. Agree, like you know, I've adopted that on the finance team. Yeah, and, you know, I I think we might I would advocate for it across the company. Um, you know, different managers are on their their teams different ways, but. Uh, if there was like a candidate that you know five of us were a plus thumbs up on, and then one person was like, eh, then like yeah, I would definitely like want to get a clearer picture. Yeah. But ultimately, I'm not, I'm not going to put the thumb on the scale and overrule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, no. no. The only you reason, have to listen to people. You got to listen to people, and like the like the only reason we've my team has come through this year in one piece is because we like working together. Yeah. And if I like. Managing is incredibly hard, and at the end of the day, it's not actually that complex. Yeah. It's hard, but it's not complicated, right? And so, like, it takes a lot of energy. I think. Oh, is the, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But like, like you know, bench pressing isn't very complex. Yeah, it's yeah, just hard. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, my job is basically don't screw up the good vibe. We yeah. Have, yeah. You know. You're such a good guest. We've already been recording for 35 minutes, oh, no, just FYI. So let's this will be the kind of last segment. Sure. I'm springing this on you too. Oh. Uh, what right. are three of your like? New Year's resolutions, business-wise or personal. Yeah. But like, what do you? Because I've been thinking about this a lot. Vanessa's really good at goal setting, and I'm trying to get better at it. Like, what do you? What are the th- three things you're looking for? Yeah. Um, let's see. Good and this is, I'll buy you a little bit of time because I'm I'm springing this on you. One of mine is a personal one, which is like I'm at, I, I'm 41 years old and have a kid, and I want to be around for this kid for a long time. So I'm a, I'm making a bigger effort to work out every day and eat better and things like that. Like yeah. that's that's a simple one. It's not a business oriented one, but hopefully it'll give me more energy. No, absolutely. But what's what's what are the things on your on your uh, plate? One is actually related, uh, but it's not from nearly so noble uh, motivation as yours. I'm turning 40 in uh, in in May. I'm uh, sorry, in June. But at the end of May, we are uh, like. When we did, when I turned thirty, uh, about ten years ago, we um, we rented this really hilarious place in Acapulco. Uh, it was called. Uh, it was built by Gloria Gaynor, um, Disco Queen. Yeah. And so there were two websites. One was like www.viaroqueta.com, and that was like just all the pictures of the house. 
And then, but because Gloria Gaynor is, you know, I Will Survive, like she's kind of iconic in the gay community, yeah. they had a separate website that was called www.acapocogayhotel.com. Wow. And it was the exact same pictures of the, you know, servers and everything. It's just they were wearing very different and a lot less clothing. Interesting. A lot more banana hammocks. Is it like a week thing or something? Like, yeah, like they do a week, week on? Yeah. yeah, so we're going back. We're actually going to go to Puerto Vallarta because the house changed hands. I want to go to the same Glory Gainer house, but it's not available. But anyway, uh, going to go down with a bunch of big friends, uh, you know, and just... Um, just uh, do that side, but like I, I gotta get in shape, man. I gotta get, I, I can't be like get the beach body. I've been carrying a little bit extra weight just because we've been working so hard. So that's number one. Number two, I would really like to see us, as I said, mature as a company, and um, and and you know build that repeatable sales process. You know, because we're still in the midst of that, and if we really, you know, the thing about trying to double every year is that. Every year, you have to do everything you've ever accomplished, but in only 12 months. <laughs> like, that's really hard. <laughs> so in order to do that, I would like to see us, if we've got a bunch of great salespeople, high integrity, smart, hardworking, and, and it's like, well, you've got five of them, or six of them, or seven of them, but what if we had 17, and 27, and 37? Like, can you maintain that high level of integrity, quality, hustle, drive, yeah. intelligence, honesty, all that? But at scale, like that's that's something I. That's think. the big. I mean, doubling looks good on a PowerPoint, but it's really hard. Oh, it's hard. hard, hard, hard. Yeah, it's literally everything you've ever accomplished to date. I know. And then just do it again in twelve months. I know. We basically have doubled this year, and it's been it's, it's crazy. Been a lot. Right? Yeah. Um, and then let's see. Third you got thing, third one. Third thing. Um, Play music more. Uh, yeah, we're playing. Uh, record a jingle. That's all right. Record a jingle. <laughs> hey, we're playing FDR, the Western Nephews. I'm gonna give my plug. We're playing FDR. That's ferment, drink, repeat. Uh, in uh, January 26th. That's awesome. Send you out an invite. Um, no, I say professionally, I want... Part of this growing up as a company, I think, is part of me, frankly, growing up as a manager. And and by that, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't say I'm like super mature as a manager, but rather, like, I, I've always had that kind of pathological, almost pathological, like, don't spend the money, don't spend the money, don't yeah. spend the money. And, and after a certain point, you just need to, like, stop cutting those corners. Yeah, yeah. And in my case, that's, like, I, 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 another bias, not just because I, like... You know, companies that don't burn a lot of money. <laughs> like, I like having money in the bank that we can, you know, feel comfortable about. But the other is that, like, in my career, I've worked with a small number, a medium number of, of executives who uh, are fiefdom builders, you know, and they measure their, their value by the number of people reporting them. And I just, I've never, I've always found that really repulsive, honestly. You can't do it in the finance world either, no, in the finance organization. That's, that's being a me. That really messes things up. Yeah, that's being a me guy, not a we guy. Yeah. And, like, and I, I find, I've always been so turned off by that that in the past I've over-indexed to trying to do it too lean. Um, trying to be a good steward of capital, yes, trying to, but like at the end of the day I realized to my detriment, it was really something I'm working on as, a, as, a, as an executive, is I was worrying more about whether I would be appeared as one, of, whether I'd be perceived as like a power-hungry fiefdom builder who only cares about his own power rather than doing what was right for the company. Yeah. And so I need to kind of get over myself and be like, no, no, in order to do this properly, in order to pay people the right amount, bill people the right amount, uh, customers the right amount, and report accurate revenue to the board. Again, the only stakeholders that matter, right? If I need more people, then I just, I can't have yeah, that yeah, Catholic so. guilt yeah. or worry about how I'm going to be It's perceived. also not fair to your team. It's too. not fair to my team. It's not fair to the company. It's not fair to the customer. It's not yeah. fair to the board. So... That doesn't mean you go hog wild and hire the whole universe. You still got to hire when it hurts. But yeah. like, that's something I'm, I'm working on. Yeah, I love it. So Beachbody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grow up as a company. Scale, right. Put the foundation in for scaling, all yeah. kind of stuff, and give yourself permission to invest yeah. correctly. You know, intelligently. 
Those are good. Those are really good. Yeah. Three. I'm gonna. I'm gonna think about. I like. I like number number two and three a lot. Yeah. We're probably in the same boat. All right. I call it like being you? being perfect. I would say um, it's a good question. I feel like we um, we chopped a lot of wood this year. Like we yeah. we really built the foundation for a lot. And next year I want to smell the roses a little bit more. And I a lot of the investments we we've, we've been able to hire really great people who now can kind of run a group or run a function. And so I want to let them do what they do and give them a year of just like kicking ass, you know. Yeah. So that's one. That's I call it like letting letting the the horses run or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. And then um, I think there's some there's some cool things we're excited about. Like I, it's easy to get. One thing I've learned at this job is it's easy to get seduced by like the next cool thing oh, like, yeah. while you still haven't really completed or taken the scale totally, or man. initial thing. But there's a couple ancillary. Uh, like venture debt fetch, which which we I'm doing one venture debt negotiation right now and working on something else. It's so easy for us to add value for these companies. Right. Like they just we just know the whole freaking game and we know exactly what the data should look like and what the terms should look like. Yeah. So scaling that is will be kind of my big one. You know, I should introduce you to Austin Dean at Spinta Capital. He's good. Do you know him? No, I, I feel like he. Name have, sounds confident. We have friends in common. Yeah. He's at the Hill House group with me. Okay. He's president. He's a great yeah. dude. This is, I'm Buzz Marketing Spent to Capital, Austin. You owe me. You owe me. Uh, he's a good golfer too. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you should talk to me. Be, be good there. But do you want to? Do you want to spend? I know we're running time, but like, do you want to spend ninety seconds talking Wayfair? Uh, real quick, yeah. We got. We're we're at the. We're at the. Boat. We're forty two minute mark. Uh, okay. All right. I don't know. This is the true believers. All right. Yeah, it's like, this is the diehards. Okay. Is Wayfair is the. Uh, sales tax uh, lawsuit that was between the Wayfair and I think North Dakota South and the Dakota. South Dakota yeah. Supreme Court. There's a huge blog post on it on our website. And what is what is j- happening is everyone has to start thinking about sales nexus or not. It's, it's like kind of beyond nexus. It's like everyone has to think about sales tax in all these states. It's gonna happen. You ha- gonna have to pay sales tax above a certain threshold. Yeah. In in given states. But the problem but, is that every threshold is different. It's like you know. So realistically, like I, you know, we're a small startup, right? Like I can't. I can't be monitoring whether I've hit 72 transactions and 250,000 in in like New Jersey or while also saying like, okay, did I hit 144 transactions and a million dollars in Oregon? Like, no, 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 that, that, that's bananas. Yeah. So this is just my short gripe of like, look, I, I'm i not one of these Ayn Rand objectivists who like thinks taxation is theft, right? I'm not, I'm not Paul Ryan you gotta over pay here. Taxes, yeah. I, I am fine with regulatory bodies, taxing authorities, you know, levying taxes. I mean, that's fine. Like, that's the that's the reason we have streets. That's okay. But I don't have a time machine, dude. So you need to tell. It's not going to be retroactive. I know, but you have to tell me at the time of the transaction if I need to collect oh, sales tax. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. in January, I don't know if I'm going to hit 113 transactions in Wisconsin. You know, I think that'll be solved. I'm not too worried about that. I don't. I just. I, yeah. I just like. I get. I get it. Where as someone with a legal background, I just bad law is bad law. They're not gonna. Well, I think if I were to take the laws side of this, it's this is how tax the sausage gets made a little bit. There's a breakthrough because ta- what's basically been happening is the states want the sales tax revenue. Have been able to get it. So no. now they can get at it. Sure. There's gonna be thresholds that most companies are not gonna have to worry about that are startups at least. Probably. Yeah. But you guys probably are tripping some of them. We already and so. So you got to do it, but I think they're going to give you, they're going to be reasonable. Like it's not going to be. I know. would think so. I mean, even in the ta- if you add it all up, even the taxes, all the taxes and penalties, it's probably like you double it. It's probably, is, but you know, um, I'm not advocating that people do this, but like if you double it and that takes three, four years, well, that's basically 18% per year, right? Yeah. 
So that's way less than my cost. It's gonna capital. be. They're gonna be. They're figuring it out still. So I'm not. Yeah. I'm not stressed. I'm. About I'm it. salty about it just because like, just write the laws better. I'll, I'll tell you mm-hmm. what. I've been buying Avalar stock oh, basically absolutely. every that, chance I get. That would be so. Avalar a full employment act. Yeah. So, so. So. Um. Yes, I've been buying that stock a lot. Yeah. So I would. I would recommend that. That's yeah. our. That's our tax software partner that we put almost every company on that needs it we for use, this kind of thing. Yeah. So it's really. Do we tell you to use it or do you use no, it? No, we use it more. They should be. They should be sponsoring this podcast. They absolutely so much should. Business. Yeah, how much they're charging yeah. us? So. <laughs> All right, Evan Marr. You got it. Boom. Yes. Pretty soon we'll have a new jingle from Evan for the podcast. Hopefully on this Hopefully podcast. Hopefully this. I kind of want to post this one sooner because it's a good podcast. Oh, okay. okay. Well, thank you for coming by. I appreciate it. All right. All right, thank buddy. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that podcast with Evan. He is a fantastic guest. We have a lot of a lot of laughs. And before we hang up here, shout out to Brex, our credit card sponsor. They are great for startups. It's easy to use, easy to provision. They have a really nice interface with QuickBooks. They have great rewards, and there's no personal guarantee by the founder. That is a really kind of misunderstood, overlooked thing. So that's really big. Check out Brex at brex.com and type in Cruise, K-R-U-Z, when you go through the sign-up flow, and uh, you will get some discounts, rewards. Hope you enjoy Brex credit cards, and we'll see you back next time at Founders and Friends.